0: To the audio event of the century featuring two lifelong best friends we love the Leafs we love each other but most of all we love William Nylander welcome to the Buds all day
1: hello and welcome to the Buds all day post-game reaction podcast I'm Sats Mundine here with Lebda's Legacy how's it going everyone well, we're going to break down the Leafs' 4-2 victory over the Calgary Flames tonight. Now, the Leafs got their goals from Morgan Riley, Alex Galchenyuk, John Tavares, and Austin Matthews, while the Flames got their goals from Nordstrom and Mangia Pani. Now, Lebda, what did you think of that one?
0: Yeah, I think kind of watching it the whole time, I was like, oh, man, the Leafs are not playing well tonight. This is really ugly. Uh, in the first two periods, at least, that is. And then kind of when we sat down getting ready to record here, I started looking at the numbers, and I was like, Oh, the Leafs really didn't play that bad. It was just a nothing game, which I'm sure made Daryl Sutter very happy. But, um, yeah, as a Leafs fan, the first two periods, not great. But the Leafs kind of rebounded, ended the game. three point or Yeah, 3.34 expected goals for the Leafs versus 2.35 for the Flames. Uh, Corsi was kind of below 50% for the Leafs at 46, with the Flames obviously at 53 then. Um, but the Leafs are, as we know, more of a scoring chance team, more of a high danger team than they are a Corsi team. Uh, so that was up at 53% uh, scoring chances for the Leafs, 57% high danger Corsi 4 for the Leafs. And the Leafs' expected goals percentage was 56.57. So as you can see, they definitely are a quality over quantity team. And yeah, looking at the numbers, this game wasn't as bad as I kind of was thinking for through the first two periods.
1: Well, I don't think your eyes betrayed you in the first two. Like, they definitely did play poorly in those periods. And I'd say, I think the numbers bore that out too, that that Calgary had the slight advantage. But it just, to me, when I was watching it, it didn't feel like Calgary was dominating or anything, even when the Leafs went 13 minutes without a shot. Because, like you said, it was a Daryl Sutter special. There was just not a lot of anything happening. Like, Hutchinson made a couple saves, but there weren't many where you're like, oh, what a save by Hutch. It was just more kind of getting through.
0: Yeah, even looking at it now, the scoring chances through the first two periods were only 5-4 for the Flames. So yeah, kind of on your Michael Hutchinson point. He didn't have a ton of high danger shots against.
1: No, it was a pretty a pretty laid back night as far as a 30 30 save performance goes. So Now the game didn't get off to that low, low event start though. It it actually started off with a bang. We had Hannafin kind of turning the puck over to Matthews at the blue line. And then Matthews made a great play to get the puck and then fired a pass over to Morgan Riley, who was open kind of at the top of the circle, skated in. Seemed like Riley was looking for Hyman for the pass uh, back door, but they weren't giving it to him. So he just decided, I'm just going to snipe this baby.
0: Yeah. What a fantastic play by Matthews at the blue line there. Um, yeah, just nice little turnover, does the perfect thing, gets it to Riley, and yeah, you're definitely right there. Um, you can see Riley looking at Hyman almost the whole time, and then I think he just sees Riddick was overcommitted a little bit to the left, so he's like, you know what, I'm just going to fire it over his glove, nice little top corn snipe, and uh, yeah, great way to start the game for the Leafs.
1: Yeah, and they kind of rode that start for a little while. I think the shots were 11-3 at one point, they were kind of putting on some pressure, but then things just kind of turned. Calgary found their way into the game. They got it back into that boring slugfest where everybody's skating in mud. And sure enough, off a off a face-off win, they were able to get a point shot and uh, Nordstrom tipped one home.
0: Yeah, it's another frustrating one if you're watching the Leafs defense there where there's pretty much four guys surrounding Nordstrom and just not a single one's tying him up. So Nordstrom's stick is just loose in the slot he's able to tip it over Hutchinson. You can't really fault Hutch for that. Now, if that's the fifth goal going in like that, you might get a little salty because it goes right over his shoulder. But honestly, a tip in the slot like that, that's a difficult, difficult save for a goalie. But yeah, just really frustrating stuff from the Leafs' defense there.
1: Yeah, it seems like uh, our goalies don't get too many saves on tips all year. It's been been kind of the way that teams have beaten us, but maybe that is also just because we're so good at keeping teams to the outside that the only way that they're really able to get chances is to just rip point shots and hope for the best. Yeah. And right around that goal is kind of when the game started to tilt into Calgary's favor a little bit. They were, they had the majority of the chances. Like we said, there weren't too many high danger ones, but they were definitely taking over the game until the, uh, until the end of that first period there, when they got a last minute goal through Manjipani.
0: Yeah. That second goal is pretty, pretty ugly. If we're being honest, it's just one of the ones where, you can't let that in, but to Michael Hutchinson's credit, he did let a stinker in, and then he held the held the fort the rest of the way. So, again, you really would like Michael Hutchinson to stop that, but he did exactly what he needed to after giving up a softie.
1: Yeah, the rest of the way he was very solid. That goal definitely – you're pinning that one on the goalie 100 times out of 100. It was a nice shot, don't get me wrong, but a, a guy can't beat you from there on a on a shot from that angle. So – and it was interesting at the intermission. You hear you would hear the panel blaming the second line for that goal, like like they were kind of highlighting lighting their defensive errors. When really it was a contested shot from barely outside the circles. Like it's not like it was a it was a great a scoring chance. I actually saw a funny tweet. Somebody said, "Yeah, weird that the panel is blaming the team defense for the second goal when Hutch didn't even attempt to save it." That was Marlander fused with that one. So it was exactly what he said, though it was just. You just kind of toss that up to bad goaltending. Yeah, it, even
0: even if that shot ends up in a bit of a more high danger shot, I find it's kind of weird to blame the defense on that one. If you watch the play back, Dermot gets the puck behind the net. He's definitely under a lot of pressure, and he just he kind of does a little one hand, little like tip pass or whatever, trying to get it to Bogosian. And it just takes a bad bounce and ends up on a Calgary stick. Like it it is a bit of a turnover, but it's not really one of those turnovers where you're like, Oh, like what is he doing with that play? It's just, it's a tough play. Calgary was putting Dermot under a lot of pressure. So it's just kind of a bad bounce. And yeah, if your goalie doesn't let that in, no one's talking about that play
1: at all. So after that goal, we went into the intermission and the second period, that was probably our worst period of the game. We started off really slowly thirteen minutes, like a sh- without a shot, like we mentioned before, and it was just it was so bad to watch.
0: Yeah, you, that was ugly. Yeah, eleven to three were the shots for the Maple Leafs at one time, and it became eighteen to thirteen about halfway through the second. After that, so yeah, the end of the first and the beginning half of the second period, they just got dominated.
1: Yeah, and then it went into a power play for uh, for Calgary, which very strong kill there were no real chances which was good and then we got a power play of our own and we don't really want to talk about this too much because we said it over and over again but the power play just looked terrible again and it's really not that much of a surprise when we keep rolling wayne simmons out there it's like i said we won't talk about it too long because if you've listened to any of our other podcasts you know our opinion on this we just want them to load up the power play put your stars out there for 90 seconds and let them cook
0: Yeah, I don't even have anything to say that you didn't just say about the power play. We've spent a decent amount of time kind of on our last reaction, uh, game reactions, talking about the power play, what we think we need to do and all that. So I don't want to get repetitive, but it's, it's just looking really, really ugly right now.
1: Yeah, here's hoping they can, uh, you know, load that unit up and Manny Malhotra can give himself a little bit of job security. They can break that over over 24 slump. Now, I did see an interesting tweet too, mentioning that the Leafs are 0 6 0 and one in their last seven games, and that is without a power play goal. So it is very nice to see that we're still able to dominate games and and win the majority of them without without our biggest weapon, really.
0: Yeah, it's funny during the. I can't remember what intermission it was, but the panel was talking about, it may have even been after the game, but the panel was talking about how the Leafs are like, oh, you know, the Leafs aren't winning games how they used to, they, lots of overtime, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, yeah, but we're 6-0-1 without scoring a power play goal in that time. They're like, give give them a little bit of credit for their 5v5 play. If that power play gets rolling, we are going to be scary, scary, scary down the road.
1: Oh, for sure. That's, you'd think that that power play was giving us more than a goal a game at the start of the year. So you're taking a goal out. And even if they don't click at that rate, they're still, I know in the playoffs, we're probably going to get what, two power plays a game, maybe? So if you look at that, if they Mm -hmm. go, if they go to what you would expect, 20 to 25%, that's still half a goal a game that they can kind of expect on top of what they've had recently. So it is going to be huge for them to get that going by playoff time.
0: Yeah, it's kind of funny. I'm just – I'm not worried about the power play at all rebounding. It's just the coaching staff really needs to get that firing now. And, yeah, like you said, if we get that power play rolling a little bit headed into playoffs and it's a steamroller going into the playoffs, we're we're just going to crush teams, especially with the matchups we should be facing. It's just going to be slaughter.
1: And the nice thing is, too, another, another difference between this and previous Leaf teams is nights like the last two games have been a perfect example where we – I would say we play a, a B minus game against Winnipeg and tonight maybe a C plus, and we you still look at the game sheet at the end, you see that the Leafs deserve to win it, and they did win it. They didn't. It's their bad stretches of play. Whereas before it would probably be, you know, that fifteen to two shot stretch for Calgary. It probably ends up with a three or four goal lead for Calgary. But this year it's a one goal lead for Calgary. Easy for us to overcome, and it's just nice to see that we don't fold like a cheap lawn chair anymore.
0: Yeah, you kind of see the Leafs winning a lot of games this year, a lot of those kind of tight games that there's no way they would have won last year. And I think a lot of that is to do with improved goaltending. We know Frederick Anderson kind of had his struggles last year, Michael Hutchinson being the backup for a majority of that. A lot of those kind of tight games, you just had no chance because of goaltending. But also i like to highlight kind of the the improved defense of the Leafs. It seems like they're getting a lot better at limiting scoring chances they might give up a little bit more shots from the outside to teams but their scoring chances against and stuff has definitely definitely improved this this year so when you are kind of struggling to find that offensive game you still have a little bit of defense to rely on and you don't end up with those three four compounding goals against because you're making poor poor choices in the defensive end
1: yeah and then because they were able to keep it a one goal game in spite of the fact that they clearly didn't have their legs for that little bit it all it took was one play and they're right back in it so the second goal was by Galchenyuk. It started off with a beautiful zone entry by Willie. He made a nice drop pass to Riley, who who gave him the puck back. And then Willie, rather than shooting it into four guys and probably having it get blocked, he, he saw Tavares kind of waiting by the side, and he decided to fire a hard pass to him. Tavares, I don't know whether it was on purpose. We can debate that. But somehow he put it right on Galchenyuk's stick for an open net.
0: This is one of the things I really love about William Nylander is his composure, and he does kind of do a little circle back, assesses the options, and does pick one. Now, I know this is also one of the things that a lot of people that don't like William Nylander highlight, I, I just think it, it, it is a positive in a player showing that much poise, that much patience, and not just firing something on net or not just dumping it in, not just taking the easy play that he sees immediately. He takes that extra second, assesses the situation, and goes, oh, if I fire this to Tavares right in front of the net, that's a really high danger chance. Maybe we get a bounce. Maybe John Tavares, one of the best players in the NHL, tips at home. I'm going to go for that option.
1: Yeah, and good on Tavares too, that he didn't just stand in front of the goalie mindlessly waiting for the tip. He got himself into a dangerous spot where Nylander had that option. And then even if that play wasn't on purpose by Tavares, we've talked about this so many times, how this line has been generating so much offense and they haven't been getting rewarded. They could have 10 goals that went in off the right butt cheek, and I would still say they deserved it.
0: Absolutely. This line again was Toronto's best on the night. We've said that. Probably three out of the last four games, probably a bunch before that. But, yeah, finally this line gets a nice little bounce. They don't have to create just endless and endless offense to finally get a goal. They get a nice little bounce, a little good luck, and hopefully we see that translate tomorrow night and they'll uh, continue that offensive prowess.
1: Yeah, and then speaking of bounces, lo and behold, they got another one in the third period. You love to see it. It's
0: it's another fantastic, fantastic play by John Tavares in the neutral zone. Just Muzzin flips it to him. It's not a nice, clean pass. Tavares, with all his skill, takes it under control, just flips it out to William Nylander. Nylander's on a breakaway, goes for the five-hole. Riddick does a nice job at, uh, at covering the five-hole, making the save. Unfortunately for him, the rebound goes right out into the slot. And uh, Noah Hannafin kind of kicks, stops, puck goes in off him. Unlucky play for the defenseman, but it's a nice, 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 nice play for that Leafs line.
1: Yeah, and, and like we said, they deserve the bounces, but it's not like... You can say they're getting lucky on these plays with these bounces, but still, it's it's coming as a result of good process, right? Like they... They work the puck in the neutral zone, Tavares makes a nice pass to Willie, and it ends up in the back of the net. So if you do good things like this over and over again, good things are going to happen for your team. And that's why even in the midst of the Leafs' losing streak, we weren't really concerned about them as a team because they were still clearly generating chances. They were generating shots. It was just a matter of time before the damn burst. So going into a playoff series, you just have to hope that we don't get the bad luck because if we don't get bad luck, it's pretty clear that we are just a dominant team in this division.
0: As long as we don't get 870 goaltending and the other team has 960, there's not a team in the North that can match up against us.
1: Yeah, and and now another line tonight that actually wasn't their typical selves but still ended up getting rewarded in the third period was the Matthews line. So Matthews ends up getting a goal off a play that kind of shows everything that that line is capable of again. You know, you have them working hard near near the Flames' blue line. Hyman wins the puck back, gets it to Marner, who patiently waits behind the net and makes a beautiful feed to Matthews, who buries at home.
0: Yeah, you would love to see that. It's funny. Austin Matthews probably had his worst game in a good couple weeks since at least he was hurt. But the two really good things he did on the night ended up in the back of the night uh, – in the back of the net. And, yeah, so Matthews, nice turnover uh, – at the blue line i think he stole the puck off of kachuk which is always nice to see and then yeah zach hyman wins a puck battle gets it out to mitch marner mitch marner assesses the situation does a nice little cut in in front of the net sees matthew streaking down take the tape in the back of the net matthews is going to finish that every time with how good he is so yeah it just again once again highlights how good that line is and how good of a fit zach hyman is on that line
1: yeah and that's the difference between us and a team like montreal now we can have our B-level game like this. Our first line can have a poor game, but they're just so dangerous at any moment. You can't take a shift off against them because if you give them an inch of space, they will take that and run. Whereas a team like Montreal, they might dominate the five-on-five play for the whole game, but they don't have those elite-level game breakers like we have where they can just turn a game on its head in, in, a, in a moment's notice.
0: We could say it time and time again. If you're going to overpay people, overpay Game breakers. Overpay those stars that are going to win hockey games for you even on their off nights. If you're overpaying a third line, fourth liner, even by a couple million, it's it's just so detrimental for your team because you just you just don't have room for those star players when you need the room for the star players. That's why I really, really like what Kyle Dubas has done with our bottom six.
1: No, and that's a sentiment I completely agree with. And that's kind of what makes the Hyman decision so tough is because he's clearly a very good player. He clearly drives play for us, but he is 29 years old. And as much as we love him, he's not a game breaker in the sense like Matthews or Marner where he can really turn the game on his head. So paying him on a longer-term deal when he could fall off at any point is just probably too much of a risk. But when you want when you have guys like Nylander, Marner, Matthews, and Tavares – I'm more than happy to take the risk on paying those guys the big bucks.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think one important one to highlight there too is John Tavares. There's no doubt John Tavares is probably overpaid. He's definitely going to be overpaid in the next coming games. But those are the guys you can overpay because of how much talent he has. He's never going to become a useless player for you unless he gets some kind of crazy career-ending injury where he just can't skate anymore. But other than that, look at Joe Thornton, how long he's playing for. And he's still an impact player. He was he was a really good player last year. This year, he's probably taken it down another peg. But he's still an impactful player because he has so much skill and hockey knowledge. Whereas if you look at a guy like Zach Hyman, yes, he does have that hockey knowledge. He works hard. But he doesn't have that game-changing skill.
1: Yeah, so let's just hope Dubas can convince Hyman to take a hometown discount and all parties can be happy. There you so after that goal, the, the game was pretty nonchalant. I don't even think there was one big save that Hutchinson had to make. It was another, another classic example of the way that the Leafs are different and that they were just able to shut the game down as soon as it became 4-2. I know personally I had 0% fear after it was
0: 4-2. Yeah, 4-2, I knew the game was over. Once... Once the Leafs kind of get into that last like five minutes with a two-goal lead, it's weird. I've never felt this as a Leaf fan before, but I just have confidence they're going to either score an empty net goal or they're just going to kill the game off. They did a really nice job keeping everything to the outside, really limiting chances. Anything that did come on net, Hutchinson dealt with appropriately. And yeah, it's really nice to see the Leafs being able to, to defend those leads where, you know, last year, the year before, you're just you're
1: really holding on and hoping that they don't give it up. Yeah, not not nearly as tight in the butt-cheek area for these games. So it's it's good butt to cheeks see Butt-cheeks are loose tonight. Now with that win, speaking of loose butt-cheeks, the Leafs move to six points ahead of second place in the North Division. They're at 53 points in 38 games, while the Oilers and Jets both have 47 points in 38 games. So it's nice to see that we're building that gap back up.
0: Yeah, the Leafs had a tough stretch where that gap closed, but I think you can see now that the Leafs are again – Always have been the true number one in the North. So, yeah, hopefully we can keep this point gap up. Obviously, we're not going to win every game down the stretch. But keep that nice point gap up. So the guys like Thornton, Spezza, Wayne Simmons, even Austin Matthews, if he's not at 100%, the goalies, they can all get rest. We can not have to worry about staying in that, like, one seed so much. We can, you know, rest guys for a game, bring some guys up, get them some NHL experience, maybe a Sandin, Liljegren, Robertson, etc., give those guys some NHL experience. So if you do need one of those guys in the playoffs, they've played some games this year, but yeah, it's nice to be able to rest some of those older players.
1: Yeah. I would say the season's gone pretty perfectly so far this year. So the way you you didn't really want to be like Tampa was two years ago, where you just cakewalk to win the division. And then the last two months of games are completely meaningless. So it was nice to see the Leafs have that speed bump with that little losing streak, overcome it and come back as strong as they were before. So it's, it's been good to keep the pedal on the metal and hopefully the coaching staff does take advantage of this, this little gap that we build, especially if we can extend it and get yeah get those older guys and even guys like Matthews, Tavares, like give, give them a night off every, every now and then because this is a compressed schedule so it's more than normal and it wouldn't be the worst thing to see how other line combinations could work for a night or two as well. All right, well that about does it for the uh, Buds All Day post-game reaction podcast and we will be back with you tomorrow night to recap hopefully another win against the Flames.
0: Pucks in deep, eh?
1: What's that?